Has anyone ever read up to Jonah chapter 4 before? Okay, some of you have. But often when you read the book of Jonah, it's like the good part is in like 1, 2, and 3. And then you're like, chapter 4, meh, we'll forget about that one. And I've always sort of been a bit like that with the book of Jonah. Um, I've, I've preached on the book of Jonah a couple of times before this series. And I've only really talked about Jonah 1, 2, 3 and just forgotten about Jonah 4 because didn't really know what to do with it, the vine and stuff, and I'm a bit like, eh, what does that mean? And so I've just put it to the side. But today, we're looking at chapter 4, so we're really going to get into this. So that's exciting. Jonah chapter 4, let's turn to it. We're going to read the whole chapter together. So it says here, When the Lord saw what they did, Nineveh, and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Now chapter 4. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord God, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live." Right, a little dramatic, Jonah. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went outside of the city, sat down at a place east of it. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have the right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this vine, but Jonah, listen, you didn't even make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people, and they can't even tell their right hand from their left. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Father, we thank you for your word. And even though it was written thousands of years ago in antiquity, Lord, we believe that it can still speak to us today. So that as we share your word today, Father, we're asking that you would speak to us. Use these words of yours and use my mouth, Father, to say ultimately what you want to say. And God, we thank you for all that you're doing amongst us. We thank you for Easter. We thank you for Palm Sunday and everything that it represents in Jesus' name. And everybody said, If you're writing notes today, you could entitle this message, How Did I Get Here? This week, I went to Ikea Greenwich for the first time. I haven't been to an Ikea showroom for some time. And so I forgot kind of what goes on in the IKEA showrooms. It all seems quite normal at first, doesn't it? I mean, IKEA is one of those places where you get some very reasonable, sensible people 
who just get a little bit desperate at Ikea, don't they? Have you, have you noticed that before? Have you ever gone into Ikea and seen some desperate people? I mean, there's parents losing kids, shouting, kids, where are you? You know, kids are playing with lights, breaking stuff, throwing pillows around. Everyone gets a little bit like desperate. You know, there's people who are running up to staff. I mean, I was talking with a staff member, this sensible, reasonable woman turned crazy over her instructions and her delivery order. She was really mad at the stuff. It was all a bit desperate. Um, there, was, there was a guy, actually, when I was walking through the showrooms, he came up to this lady, and he was the staff member. He was trying to find a staff member, and he was like, way out, way out, where do I go? He was all panicking because he didn't know how to get out because, you know, it's like a maze. And she, like, just pointed somewhere, like she'd done it a hundred times before. And I found myself in the same scenario, in a bit of a crisis, a desperate situation, as I was walking through Ikea. I made the mistake of thinking I could pop in and pop out of Ikea. (laughs) So I was like, I've got half an hour. I can do this. I need to get into Ikea, and I need to get out. But that doesn't happen at Ikea, does it? It kind of woos you, doesn't it? You kind of walk through the showrooms, and you're like, oh, I like that. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that. I'm gonna, I, oh, I like that. You know, you see people, like, lugging huge things through the showrooms just trying to get out. Come on, babe, we're almost there. I can't go. I've got another free showroom to get from. You know, it's like, it's hilarious, isn't it? But I got myself in the middle of the showroom, and I checked my watch, and I needed to be somewhere, and I was like, my gosh, I need to go. And I panicked. I, I got a little desperate because I was in the middle of the showroom, and I didn't know how to get out. And, and just like the guy before me, I was like, I was starting to panic a little bit because I was like, Okay, where am I? I was trying to look for instructions. I was trying to, you know, the little projector things they put on the ground. And it's like a new Ikea. And I was like, my gosh, how did I even get here? I'm stuck in the maze of Ikea. (laughs) I need to get out now. And so I'm like going, how did I get here? What what am I doing here? How do I get out? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? How did I get here? And maybe more importantly, how do I get out? Maybe it was at Ikea like me, or maybe it was a scenario, a situation in life where you just end up in a scenario and you're like, wait a minute, how did, how did I get here? What am I doing here? What am, I, what am I doing in this space? And maybe more importantly, how do I get out? I can imagine that Jonah is experiencing these questions, these feelings and these emotions at every twist and every turn of this story. Remember, he's at home in Israel, and he's, he's just chilling in his home in the north of Israel. God comes to him and says, hey, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. Jonah says, uh-uh, I'm on my way. He runs the opposite direction, jumps on a boat to Tarshish, finds himself in the middle of an ocean, in the middle of a storm, okay? And the sailors are so freaked out by the storm. The storm's breaking up. They say, Jonah, we need to fix this problem. He's thinking, how did I get here? I'm about to die. More importantly, how, how am I going to get out? And so they throw him overboard. He sinks to the bottom of the ocean, finds himself in the belly of a whale. And he's thinking, no doubt, how did I get here? It's a bit like Ikea, right? How did I get here? How do I get out? He finds himself on the shores of Nineveh, goes to Nineveh, preaches to Nineveh, revival breaks out. And then because revival breaks out, because God is gracious, all of a sudden Jonah finds himself in a muddle once again. Jonah all of a sudden experiences this unreasonable and irrational amount of anger. This revival has triggered in him this overwhelming sense of anger. I mean, have you ever been so angry that you want to die? Just think Basil from Faulty Towers. Manuel! 
times a thousand, okay, or Bruce Bannett becoming the Hulk. This anger has turned Jonah into something that he is not. It has overcome him. It is overwhelming him. He is walked outside of the city in a huff and a puff, and he is sat outside the city waiting for the destruction of Nineveh, and no doubt thinking, how did I get here? What am I doing? And how do I get out? Have you ever experienced that in your life before? Have you ever experienced that moment where you were like, everything was okay, and then for whatever reason, you find yourself in a space and a place where you're like, my gosh, what, what happened? Which did I, huh? How, how, how am I here? What am I doing here? How do I get out? You know, one of the things I've noticed in life is that sometimes God will use the one thing that you never thought you could do, that you never thought you could take in order to bring up the issues of your heart so that he can deal with them. And this is what he is doing in the life of Jonah. He uses the one thing in Jonah's life, Nineveh, the Assyrians, the one thing that Jonah never thought he could do, go and preach a message of grace and good news to the people that he hated. God uses the one thing in Jonah's life in order to trigger the issues of his heart so that he might break free of these issues because this anger in Jonah's life is debilitating him. It is crippling him. It is paralyzing him. It is, he says, I'm so angry, I just, I don't care anymore. This anger leads to a recklessness, a carelessness in Jonah. It's damaging him. He says, I don't even care. I just want to die. I don't care anymore. God, this whole thing, I'm over. I'm mad at you. I just want to die. And so God is using this in Jonah's life so that he can deal with the issues of Jonah's heart. And this is often what God does in our lives, doesn't he? Have you noticed it? I've noticed it in my own life. Sometimes we pretend that Christianity has got to be all nice, nice, and a bed of roses and all pretty, but sometimes it gets a little cray-cray. Sometimes it gets messy, and you're like, my gosh, what is that in me? You see things in you, you're like, ah, I don't like what I see in me. And I can only imagine this is what Jonah is feeling. It's, it's almost like God is reaching down and squeezing Jonah's heart like a pimple, and all the pus is beginning to come out of Jonah's heart. Ugh, that's kind of gross, isn't it, to think of it like that? But sometimes that's how God deals with us. He reaches down and he squeezes on our heart. He uses an issue, the, the one thing maybe that we never thought we could do, that we never thought we could go to, he used the one thing to trigger those issues in order that he might deal with those issues because he doesn't want to see you debilitated, crippled, paralyzed, damaged by those issues any longer. And he doesn't want to see Jonah crippled or paralyzed by his anger and hatred and self-righteousness and pride towards the Assyrians any longer, does he? The amazing thing about this book is that God has grace for Jonah. And if he has grace for Jonah, then he has grace for you, 
and he has grace for me. Because I just think about it from God's perspective for a moment. Like, imagine if God was like this. Jonah, you know what? I'm just sick of you and your issues. Because <laughs> Jonah's had like a few things now, you know? God came and spoke to Jonah. He's like, hey, Jonah, I've got this amazing mission for you. You're my guy, right? So I've got this amazing mission. I need you to go to Assyria, okay, Nineveh, and you're going to preach this message to 120,000 people. It's going to be a great mission. We're going to have a good time doing this. And he's like, heck no. I'm going the opposite direction, God. I don't want this deal. So he runs, right? We know the story. And, and then God is just so gracious with him, right? He sends a storm. Joseph goes in the water, gets the fish and stuff. God could have been like, look, Jonah, I did the whole miracle with the fish thing. And now my grace is kind of running thin, okay? I'm low levels grace right now. So here's what's going to happen, okay? I'm going to leave you to your own devices. Let's see what happens. I'll be right back, okay? <laughs> Could you imagine if God was like that? None of us would be here today. <laughs> but God is patient. He is long-suffering. And I'm just so glad that our arrangement with God, that our arrangement with His grace is not a conditional one. Yeah, we should just clap for God right there. <laughs> Thank you that it's not conditional because I would not be here. <laughs> you know how we put conditions on one another? You know, we're like, if you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. Or if you give me this, then I'll give that. God's not like that. God doesn't have a conditional arrangement with us in terms of his grace. He's not like Jonah. If you obey me, then you can get my grace. He's just like, I'll give you grace, and I'll give you more grace. And if you fall flat on your face, then you can have some more of my grace. We have an unconditional arrangement with God's grace. I love Phil quoting last week's scripture, Romans chapter 5, verses 8. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, pointing our finger at him, while we turned our backs on him, while we were his foes, you could say, Christ died for us. And it doesn't matter how many times Jonah falls flat on his face, God is there and he is patient and he is long-suffering and he is offering Jonah a hand up and he's saying, Jonah, I don't want to see you in this space anymore. I've got you. I'm longing for you to be free of these issues and to walk freely in my grace and mercy. Jonah, I love you and I'm here for you. His grace towards us is not conditional. It is unconditional. The other thing that we can take from this story is that God will use you in spite of you. Isn't that encouraging to us this morning? Like, like never disqualify yourself because you don't think you're not altogether as you should be, right? Because we can take this from the story of Jonah, right? He's a, he's a little messed up. He's, he's got some stuff going on here but God still uses him in spite of him. Think about the woman at the well for a minute. Have you ever thought about that? This woman who doesn't have her life together, she's an outsider, nobody really likes her, okay? She's got stuff going on in her life, yet she meets Jesus at the well, has an amazing conversation with her, credible experience, and guess what she does? She goes back to her village, she preaches the good news about Jesus, revival breaks out in her town. The whole town, John writes, receives the message about Jesus. They receive salvation. God uses this woman in spite 
of her. Just read through the Hall of Faith in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and you will see that God uses all kinds of people despite the issues that they've got going on. Never disqualify yourself and say, God can't use me because you don't think that you're all put together as you should be. God will still use you. He will still use you to reach people in your world. He's using you even now. Now watch how God deals with Jonah in this moment because this is quite cool. God is gentle with Jonah. Remember how, I guess you could say, when he was on the boat, God sort of took Jonah by the scruff of the neck. But here in this moment, God is gentle and he is soft with Jonah. In fact, God asks Jonah three questions. It's almost as if God acts as Jonah's therapist. He's like, hey, Jonah, so what's going on? Tell me a little bit about yourself. God opens up a space for Jonah that Jonah might communicate and speak and vent his feelings and emotions. It's almost as if in this last chapter that we see Jonah walk into the therapy room of God and God begin to counsel Jonah. And God opens up the same space for you and I when we experience the issues of our heart. Isaiah says that God is a wonderful counselor, mighty God. And when Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit, he says, when the counselor comes, he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit who lives in you is God the mighty and wonderful counselor. And he has a space to offer you. The good that we can take from Jonah in this story is that he actually turned to God in his anger. When the issues of his heart were triggered, he turned to God and he complained to God. He was angry at God, but he turned to God in his anger. You all remember the story of Job when everything was taken away from Job and, and he was so mad about it and he was so upset about it. In fact, he actually later in the book begins to complain to God about it. And then in the last chapter of the book, God commends Job for complaining to him about his loss. Now, it wasn't always good that Job was complaining towards God and it wasn't always good that Jonah was sort of angry at God, but the point of the story is that even in their complaint and in their anger, God commends them because they turn to God even in their anger and their complaint. Do you know what? God is not intimidated by your anger. He is not intimidated by your complaint. He would much rather you turn to him in your anger, in your complaint, in your issues, in your funk and your gunk rather than turn from him. This is the truth, the good that we can take from Jonah in this scenario. Jonah turns to God in his anger. Even though he says, God, I'm so mad at you. God says, okay, Jonah, so what's going on? Is it right for you to be angry? I want to encourage you today. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling like the issues of your heart are going nuts or whatever, or you're angry or you're, you need to complain about something, turn to God in your anger. Turn to God in your complaint. Turn to God in your failure. Turn to God in your mistake. He is a wonderful counselor, and he will comfort you, this Holy Spirit who lives in you, and he will guide you into all truth, making known what Jesus said and did, making it so real in your life. He is there to counsel you. Amen? 
God asked Jonah three questions. And maybe these three questions can apply to us today. The first, he says, hey, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Revival's happening all around you. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this what we hope for? Isn't this what we pray for? Isn't this what we really believe for, Jonah? Shouldn't you be happy? This is success in ministry, right? You've just seen 120,000 people, like, respond to your preaching. I mean, that, wouldn't that be amazing? Jonah, shouldn't you be happy? Jonah's like, I'm so mad I could die. <laughs> is it right for you to be angry? Jonah sets himself up as the judge of Nineveh. God never called Jonah to judge Nineveh. God called Jonah to proclaim the message of salvation to Nineveh. Billy Graham has a great quote. He says, it's God's job to judge, Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's our job as Christians to love. You know how easy it is for us as Christians to get that order mixed up. And I think when we do get that order mixed up, it really throws off a whole lot of things for us. Jesus called us to do two things. He called us to love and to share. His last command, he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And by this love, all men will know that you are my disciples. And on the mount, before he ascended to heaven, he said, go and share this message with all nations. Love and share. Jesus also said, judge not, lest you yourselves want to be judged. And firstly, take the plank or the log out of your own eye before dealing with the speck in your brothers. Jonah, let's not get this mixed up here. I never called you to judge Nineveh. I called you to share a message of love and hope with them. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Secondly, he says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Remember the plant? God caused it to grow up and then God took it away. It's almost as if God gave a grace and then God took it away. And Jonah is, Jonah is angry about this grace, that it was taken away. And it's almost as if we see this entitlement arise in Jonah's heart, as if he's saying, I deserve this grace, but those people over there, they don't, they don't deserve that grace. I wonder if there's been times in your own life, you know, often I guess this happens to people who have been Christians for quite some time. We receive a grace for ourselves, but then we deny that same grace that we received to others because they don't look like us, they don't talk like us, they don't sound like us, they don't act like us, and we say, mm, I don't think you match up to what God's looking for. And I guess you could say that Nineveh is playing the role of the prodigal son, and Jonah is playing the role of the older brother. We all know at the end of the story that The younger brother, the prodigal, came back and was received by his father. But then the older brother, he says to his father, Father, I've obeyed you. I've I've done everything you've ever asked me to do. And not even I get the fattened calf. But this younger brother, he's jealous. And his father says to him, Son, everything I have is yours. Come in. But he remains outside. Let's never let a religious spirit get in the way of others receiving grace. Thirdly and finally, should I not show concern for these people? Should I not have compassion for these people, Jonah? Should I not show them grace? The first two questions were directed at Jonah, but the the third question God asks is about him. It reveals his heart for humanity. You know, in the Bible, in the Gospels, 
The most typically used phrase around the emotions of Jesus was this phrase, he was moved with compassion. Have you read that before? He was moved with compassion. For every 20 times that Jesus wept in the Bible, he laughed once. Not because he was a man of sorrows, not because he was depressive, but because his compassion connected him to us. He was moved by his compassion. You ever wanna know what moves God? It's compassion. There's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Sympathy, feeling sorry for somebody, a situation, whatever it is, that's fine. God doesn't feel sympathy, he feels compassion. He is moved with compassion. Compassion is fueling the movements of God. This is his heart for humanity. While Jonah was looking over the city of Nineveh, wagging his finger at it in anger, Jesus was looking over the city of Jerusalem, weeping with compassion. As Jonah went outside the city walls, hoping for its condemnation, Jesus went outside the city walls of Jerusalem to the cross to bring about salvation. It's in the person of Jesus that we see the embodiment of God's heart for humanity. How did I get here? Jonah's thinking, how did I get here? Maybe more importantly, how do I get out? The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 2, after Paul has painted a very bleak and grim picture of humanity, he says, yet it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's God's kindness, it's His goodness, it's His compassion, it's His mercy, it's His grace that leads us to turn towards Him and say, okay, God, you're so good, you're so kind, you're so compassionate, you're so merciful, you're so gracious with me. There's an old Jewish tradition about the book of Jonah that goes like this. I'll read it to you because I can't remember it by, um, it says, it speaks of the ending of Jonah because those last words, should I not show compassion, Jonah, towards these people, that is, those are the last words of the book of Jonah. It says here, after these words, Jonah fell on his face and said, govern your world according to the measure of your mercy, as it is said, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Now, it's not written, but that is a Jewish tradition that that is what happened after God offers these last words. Jonah falls to his face and says, God, you govern the world according to the measure of your mercy. And maybe it's purposeful that God ends with these words. The letter of the book just finishes like this. Should I not? Should I not? Should I have concern? have compassion for all of these people. And maybe it's just because the writer would aim that question towards each and every single one of us and end with God's heart, end with God's mercy, end with the compassion of God directed at each and every single one of us. How did I get here? I don't know, but how do I get out? I'm going to look to God's compassion. I'm going to look to His kindness. I'm going to look to His grace and to His mercy. And that is going to lead me from where I find myself to 
where I need to go. God, we thank you for so much for the story and everything that it means to us, God. We thank you for what you're doing in this community. God, I ask right now that if there's people who are, who are struggling in space that they find themselves, Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide them, that you would lead them into all truth. By your mercy, by your grace, by your kindness, by your goodness, Lord, lead us. Lord, connect us to one another through your compassion. Lord, connect us to you, your compassion and your goodness. God, we're so thankful for all that you're doing amongst us. In Jesus' name.